Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, where it's all about getting outside, experiencing the outdoors, and having epic adventures. At Hunt the West, my number one goal for you is to get out and hunt. I'm Skylar Harrison. I'm your host. Thanks for tuning in today. Today, we've got Mr. Rocky Dedamonte on the show. He is an avid outdoorsman and experienced hunter. And so he has a lot of experience that he can share with us. We get into a lot of stuff in this episode. We talk about his first hunt as a kid, you know, getting buck fever. It's a really cool story. And then we get into a really nice archery buck that he got pretty recently, uh, a year or two ago. And we get into a spring bear hunt that he did. And, you know, he, he just does everything. He does shed hunting, he runs trail cameras. And we actually, we get into the trail camera controversy that's going on right now. Not really a controversy. It's more of just like a, a discussion that's happening. Some laws have been changing in Utah. So we get into that conversation. It's a really good conversation. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Rocky is just a super good guy. He is really fun to talk to. We actually had his brother, Ben, on the podcast way back in episode 14. Ben is better known as Shed Crazy on YouTube and Instagram. So Rocky is his brother and we get into um, how they started working together and um, this is just a really good conversation. So we, we cover a lot of stuff and I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. Here's my conversation with Rocky Dedamonte. All right. Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, Rocky. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you, Skylar? I'm doing great. Um, we met at the, the Hunt Expo, which is always a good time mm-hmm. at the Canvas Cutter booth. People know that I'm like a huge fan of Canvas Cutter and everything. And, and uh, I think we'll get into that kind of stuff later. But um, just tell us about yourself. Where'd you grow up? What was life like as a kid in the outdoors? And, you know, how did that kind of get you started in the outdoors? Yeah. So I'm Rocky Dedamonte. It's kind of a weird last name, hard pronunciation. But uh, I grew up in southern Utah in a town called Cedar City. Um, and I grew up hunting. My uh, my dad, though, he, he, he worked a full-time job just like anybody else. And so he had very limited time that he could take us, especially when we were kids. Um, and so I think that really put a drive into me and my brother both that we should, well, it just made us want to hunt as much as we possibly could because it was like limited to a couple weekends here and there and we just couldn't get enough of it. Um, so we mostly grew up just going with our dad hunting deer, but it seemed like a lot of the time he'd just sit us under a tree and while he'd go (laughs) hunt and we just, he'd just say, don't move. And so we had to sit there and hopefully see something walking by um and then hunting rabbits and and all that kind of stuff too uh we didn't really get into shed hunting until like later on in life i mean i was probably 14 or 15 before i started going um and we had our in-laws were like the first people we knew that like actively shed hunted i mean we'd find them while we were out hunting but those were, those were kind of our inspirations to start doing that end of things too. Um, but yeah, I, I remember getting my first deer tag. I remember getting all that stuff and, uh, it, it just, it hooked me. It hooked me from day one to be able to go do that kind of stuff. And, and I'm just super blessed to be able to do that full time right now, which that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is awesome. Like I, I forget sometimes how cool it is. Cause you get, you get a little tired from going all the time on it, but it, it really is super cool to be able to do. It is. It's pretty special. Tell us about that first deer tag that you had. So, I mean, first deer tag, um, 
I, uh, that deer is actually right here behind me. Uh, it, uh, I, so here in Utah, it, I don't know if it's still this way, but when you were under 18, you could hunt all three seasons. So say if you drew a rifle tag, you could hunt archery, muzzleloader and rifle. Um, and so I didn't have a bow or anything, so I didn't hunt the archery, but we went out on the muzzleloader and, uh, it was, I think either the first or second day of the muzzleloader. And there was a big buck in this Canyon that my dad and, and brothers and all of them were hunting. And so they again, sat me by a tree. I think it was a homemade tree stand and I sat in it all morning and it was a little sketchy because it's up in this juniper <laughs> and it was windy and it's blowing me all around. But I'm sitting up there with my muzzleloader, just to open sight in line traditions. And, uh, and didn't see anything. My brother-in-law came and got me. And then we, uh, we went over to meet up with my dad and my brother and they were watching a couple of bucks go up the hill. And it was just a young bachelor herd of deer, like 2.2.2.2 walking up the hill in front of us, probably like 75 yards in front of us. And so then one walked up that looked like a better deer. And, uh, my dad goes, okay, well, I can see he's a four point on the one side, looking through his binos. Boom. I shot about that fast. <laughs> it took me, took me all of about two seconds to decide I wanted to shoot that deer. But, uh, yeah, I, I hit him pretty good and uh, he toppled over backwards. I got to watch him, watch him go down. And, uh, I remember just yelling at the top of my lungs, just yelling. <laughs> I was so excited. And, uh, and I remember my dad just shut up. That big buck might be around. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, I don't care. Like, like my hunt's my over, you guys. Right? Like, I can't shoot that deer now, so you guys better figure something else out. But, oh, it was it was way fun. I remember just walking up on it. And it was so surreal because, like, uh, my dad was really picky about what deer he wanted to kill. He only wanted to kill big deer. So I, I only ever remember seeing, like, a few deer die, like, growing up. And so then to actually be the one to like do it, it felt, it almost felt like a little wrong because you're not supposed to shoot them all year. And then all of a sudden you have this one yeah. <laughs> tag that says, Oh, you can shoot them. And so it felt a little different, a little weird, but, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. He's a good little three by four. And, uh, and like, I was super pumped on him, especially for a first buck. And, uh, and yeah, I was, it was a great hunt. Great. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. In That's that. awesome. Really those, those first stories I can, the, those first experiences out hunting, especially when you have a tag, they mm. can like really make or break your experience. Right. So I love right. have, hearing those good stories like that with like lots of action and, you know, no, no real pressure, lots of opportunity. You know, I think those types of, of hunts for, for beginners are, are really good, especially like right. newer hunters. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah. Cause it's, it's always such a bummer. Like I feel bad for kids now. Cause uh, I mean, hunting has just become more and more popular every year. Some kids don't even get tags their first years and, uh, and they go out there and they're competing with like a bunch of grown men for a very select few deer. So yeah, it's a lot tougher for them. Like I always had good opportunities growing up and granted, I missed a lot. I missed a lot of deer when I first started, but at least I got chances chance. to go yeah. and, and hunt. And so like, man, it's, it's tough for, for these kids now and even new hunters. Cause and, and I think maybe this is just my opinion, but I feel like hunters have gotten better over the last, oh, even five or six years, just with the information available from YouTube and, uh, and just the internet in general, like, like mapping, like, I feel like Onyx maps changed the game. Oh, for sure. 
because like i didn't even know where i could go hunting before onyx maps i would like look up these weird old county maps that had blm and i'd drop pins on the corners of the blm land and then i'd like transfer it to google and try and figure out where i was able to hunt right and then even before that i went wherever there was no fence like if there's no fence it's public land (laughs) right Right. (laughs) i know now it's like totally not true and so well they just barely changed the laws on it it used to be that they had to fence it and post it every it was like every 30 feet and so a lot of landowners wouldn't so you'd end up hunting private without even realizing it yeah um but yeah it's it's that's been a super big benefit along with like glassing like when i was a kid nobody glassed like for somebody to set up a tripod and look for deer, like we had eight power, like cheap binoculars around our necks, maybe, but most of the time we were using a rifle scope. We weren't even looking through binos. Yeah. And so it was, uh, th- those like improvements in glass quality and just people knowing like how serious hunters hunt now it's, it's made it, I think it's made it tougher for like guys just getting into it to go and, and without I hate to say it, but they have to go compete almost like it's not, it's a competition now because there's such a limited resource and so many guys out there wanting to do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And then you got like really popular people, you know, like, like Joe Rogan talking about elk hunting and so everyone, it just brings in a ton of people. I still think that there's, there's tons of opportunity, especially out here in the West. Like there's so much public land and yeah, maybe certain units are overrun with hunters or certain states. Um, but I feel like there's still tons of opportunity and tons of places to go. You're absolutely right. Like I, I tend to have a little bit of a negative mindset about it, which I shouldn't because I, I mean, obviously I get a ton of opportunity. There's lots of opportunities in other states and things like that. So guys, guys get a chance to go and, uh, and maybe it's just like some of these general units in Utah that feel a little overcrowded. Cause like when we go to Arizona, like I mean, you'll see a couple people, but really it doesn't feel like those deer are super pressured. There's a ton of people. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. there's still yeah. a lot of good opportunity out there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, tell us about like what you are doing for work. I know you, you recently just switched over and you're, you're doing some work for your, your brother, Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you do before that? And kind of what was that transition like? Cause I, uh, the reason we, I, I kind of want to talk about this is cause Whenever I hear people that are like really experienced like yourself, like I have a day job, I have a family, I don't get to hunt, you know, but a few weeks a year. And so I feel like it's really helpful to, to hear like what somebody's life is like, you know, from a work standpoint, what the day to day looks like. Yeah. 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 So tell us about like that transition and, and what you were doing before and what you're doing now. So um, I was running heavy equipment before for uh, Sunrock was the company. And I, I got to give them a shout out because they were a great company to work for. Like they, they, it was a really good job. I had a lot of good buddies there. It wasn't like, and I, I've had crappy jobs in the past, but it wasn't like, oh, I hate my job. I hate my job. I need to go hunt. Like I, I really did enjoy my job before this. Um, but Ben had been doing his own thing with his YouTube channel for, oh, I think he'd been about four years at that point. And he was just kind of felt like he was at a standstill. And so he talked to me and, and like, obviously we had talked about going and working for him before, but so August of 2021 is when I finally said, okay, that's, that's going to be my last day of work. And, uh, and so we, 
me and my wife had to make some financial adjustments to make it work. Right. Cause I mean, Ben's still a very small company. Like I get paid a small monthly salary to basically be his, his gopher. Right. So if he needs a cameraman, if he needs me to edit, if he needs me to just do whatever he needs to answer emails, then that's, that's what I do for him. And he just pays me a, a little bit of money to do that for him every month. But then, um, other than that, I'm, uh, just kind of chasing money where I can find it. I've been helping a kid named McKay Sorensen. He uh, is Trapper Man Wildlife Studio, I think is what his company is, but he does antler replicas. I follow him on Instagram. Some really cool stuff. He does really cool work and you get to see a lot of big deer and a lot of big elk, like, like almost everything that's killed that's really big from uh, Southern Utah and into Arizona ends up in his shop and to get replicated. And so that is, that, that was really cool. And I, uh, I just work for him. Like when he gets big jobs, like, especially leading up to the expo, there's a lot of guys who wanted replicas done or just needed the horns back for the expo. And so he was real busy. So he, I went in to help him. I also, uh, even today I'm going to go, uh, help out a gunsmith for a little while, help him kind of run his office, answer some emails and things like that. So it's, it's, you're kind of chasing it like but we uh we me and my wife sold our house and uh cashed out on that with the whole spike and covid so we could have some cushion and uh now we're just renting and so like i uh, a lot of people think that the way you're going to get into the hunting industry full time is somebody's going to call you up offer you a job and say oh we're going to pay you exactly what you're making at your other job and a lot of people sit around and wait for that and just wish that that's that's what's going to come. But really like, if you want to, if you want to go chase it, it you got to make some sacrifices and, uh, some lifestyle adjustments for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and you got to be very self-motivated too. Cause like, I mean, we, like you're saying lifestyle adjustments, we had to give up. I mean, eating out as much. We had to, I mean, cut some of our costs. We, once we sold our house, we got completely out of debt. We don't drive brand new vehicles, stuff like that. I mean, it's just me and my wife. We don't have any kids. So, I mean, there's a lot less pressure there and she works. So, um, I mean, it it worked out very good for us that way. But you've got to be like every morning I wake up and there's nobody telling me like you've got to go do something like there's no you got to be here at eight. You got to be doing this. Like, I mean, I have that a little bit when I'm working for other guys, but but you kind of got to get up and say, okay, how am I going to how am I going to make this work today? And and it's it to me it's super motivating and so i've i've enjoyed it because it's made me become more self-motivated yeah more disciplined i'll bet because mm-hmm. yeah like when there's nobody like waiting for you to show up and clock in mm-hmm. then, yeah like eventually like that might be nice for like a week and then after that you're like well i gotta pay the bills now it's, right it's time to get after it, it oh exactly <laughs> exactly and it's uh i i think it's super rewarding though in the end to like I mean, having a job was always very fulfilling to me too. I liked being able to go back and look at what I've accomplished. But, but this way, like any, any income I bring in is like self-manufactured, right? Like I went and talked to somebody and I talked to them into well, basically told them why I'm valuable to them and, and talked them into like letting me work for them rather than just like them needing a, a grunt, you know? So yeah. it, it's pretty, it's pretty rewarding that way too. I like that. Yeah. I bet a lot of that like discipline and, and, uh, 
get after it mentality transfers over into hunting too because like you said like there's a lot of competition out there in jobs there's a lot of competition out there in in the field for you know glassing knobs and and right. and tags and stuff mm-hmm. and so um i want to talk about your archery hunt that you did in 2020 because you got like a sweet buck on the archery yeah. hunt yeah uh tell me the whole story about that like where'd you find that buck like is tell us just the whole story from the very beginning from the very beginning so yeah um from the very beginning is me and a friend went out driving around looking for a place to put a deer camera essentially like we uh and we drove and drove and drove and we were kind of out in this real deserty spot and uh finally there's like this little trickle like we had been driving from first thing in the morning till it's probably like two in the afternoon like looking around trying to find stuff checking on springs and uh finally there's this little trickle of water coming across the road and i'm like all right i'm putting a camera on it go up go up at a little ways there's like a little bit of uh like a spot where it's kind of pooled like up. a little pool yeah. yeah yeah and like but still kind of choked out by reeds not like really a good drinker and so i dug out like a little hole seriously like a foot in diameter and uh and put a camera on it i was like all right whatever and and honestly very little deer sign like didn't expect much to come out of it and then uh first time i went to go check it there was a big wide heavy buck on it like he wasn't fully grown out but you could tell he was going to be a big deer and it's uh, like still summer when they're all like knobbed yeah, up okay. still in the summer like i mean he was probably you know just like that tall like like six or eight it, inches it out. out but and yeah. it just barely started growing up and uh I was like, well, what the heck did I find? Like, heck yeah. So I, uh, so I, I started running a couple more cameras out there, but just like never did get that deer on camera again, tried hunting it a couple times. I, I had started my dedicated tag that year. Um, and so that dedicated tag, you get, you get two tags in three years, essentially, or you get to kill two deer in three years. So, um, if you don't kill your first year, then you can hunt the last two years if you, but just basically that's how that dedicated program works. So that first year I spent a lot of time out there trying to glass it, trying to figure it out. And, uh, I got my, I got my butt kicked, um, ended up trying some other stuff, but ended up not, not filling my tag that first year. So I knew I had two years to go out there and try and try and figure it out. So then the next year, um, which is 2021. Um, I started going out there again and, uh, and for whatever reason, I think some of their pothole waters for these deer had kind of dried up. So they relied on the spring that I had a camera on more. And so we started seeing a lot of deer, a lot of bucks started showing up and it was, it was weird to me because we started seeing a lot of good bucks, like on a unit that is kind of it's, it's been going a little bit downhill. Like it's hard to find big mature deer on it. I think we had three deer that were pushing the 180 mark on one camera and it was, it was wild to me. And so that's, we, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, it was very nice. It was very nice. <laughs> Including, I mean, another deer that ended up, uh, ben, that Ben ended up killing this year. Um, so yeah, we decided to against our better judgment, go try and hunt it again, but really it ended up working out good we set up a blind on that water and uh i think i'd sat it 
11 times, like 11 sits, like a morning sit. And then like I was sitting in the morning then going to work and then sitting it in the evening after work. And it was, uh, it was a lot of, I was very bored. Like I downloaded specific games just so I could play those <laughs> while I was in my blind. And it was the other thing too, hot it, too. Oh, so hot. I mean, yeah. archery season down here in Southern Utah, like it had to be a hundred degrees in that blind and, it, and then no airflow, no airflow. Yeah. Right. And, and, it, and it was rough. It really was rough. It got to the point though, where my bow, um, I was shooting a Hoyt and, uh, it was a carbon Hoyt and the way those work, the limbs tying into tie into an aluminum block, which then goes into the carbon riser. And so where that aluminum block and that carbon riser meet together, the epoxy, like they spins an epoxy to, to seat that together had started to separate on my bow. Oh my so gosh. Like my Cause it was so was like, hot. It was, yeah, it was that hot <laughs> that the epoxy started to break down on my bow. And so like my bow was like a liability at this point, but I couldn't, like, <laughs> I couldn't stop. And so, um, finally one day I'm staring at my phone and all of a sudden I look up and one of the little bucks that's with our deers standing there. I'm like, what the heck? Like I'd seen, I think like one doe in person at this point, like I could see him on the camera but I'd seen like one doe in person. And so finally this little buck shows up. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I might just shoot this deer just cause, just cause like I actually <laughs> see a buck out here. Yeah. But then I decided to be patient and I noticed some other movement through the trees and then another big, like wide, heavy three point stepped out too. I'm like, Oh man, I'm killing something. But like, he was always with the deer that, that I killed. He, and we called that deer boxy. Um, just cause he had a big, tall, like square frame which I mean, it's not a very unique name. There's a lot of deer that get named boxy, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so finally that deer stepped out and I'm just panicking at this point. I'd never killed a deer like that size. And, uh, and so my heart is just pounding and I'm, I'm sure he can hear it, but like, he's, he's kind of running some other deer off the water and like being a bit of a bully. And then, so he kind of settles down finally and goes to put his head down to drink. So I draw and, and shoot pretty quick. And, uh, it wasn't a well-executed shot. Like I was panicking. Like I, I didn't anchor good, didn't do everything I was supposed to. Cause I was just so nervous, but I hear it, I hear it whack and he goes running off. And, but then he kind of, I see him in another little flat just beyond the water and he's moving real slow. So I'm, my hands are shaking. I'm trying to get another arrow knocked and he's like at 80 yards or something, but ends up walking out never and never did get another shot off. But I could tell just by the way he was moving and walking that he, uh, he was hit. He, he was like, hit. Yeah. And so I was just like, like panicking and super happy. But then I went down, looked at my arrow and it was green. Like, uh, like I like just got shot that, and I was like, Oh no, like it had some dark red on it. Like I might've caught some liver or liver, something, yeah. but mostly just green. And then I looked where he had exited and there was like grass in in his blood trail essentially oh like like oh. like cud <laughs> yeah yeah like cud in his yeah. in his trail i'm like oh no like i messed it up and i felt so bad and so sick so i called my brother how far dude. how far was that shot like from the blind to the 30 yards so i mean okay. close should have been a chip shot right and uh and so i called my brother and he was in kentucky hunting whitetails at the time and i just told him what was going on and I was like, I don't feel good, man. He's like, just back out. Like it's going to work out. And then, so I left and, and, uh, went home. And luckily the next day I didn't have to work. 
so I could go look for him. This is in the evening. Um, and so I called our one buddy who hunts out there with us too. And he had killed a nice deer out there too, that we called the ghost buck. And I was like, what are you doing tomorrow, man? We got to go find this deer. And, uh, he, he's like, I'm there, I'm there. Let's go find him. And so uh, his name's Brad Alexander and super awesome dude. And so we drove out there. I didn't sleep that whole night. I don't think I slept a single hour that whole night, just laying there awake, sick to my stomach. And, uh, and so we went out there and started trailing him from where I had, uh, had seen him leave and we were just getting little specks of blood and like, we had followed him a long way. And I think we'd followed him like a mile and a half almost. Dang. And, uh, I was starting to get real down and like the other worry you have there too, is that you jump them out of their bed. I mean, I'd let him sit all night. And so you're just hoping that he's, he's dead somewhere. Um, yeah, you're just, I got an arrow knocked while you're walking around, just hoping he doesn't jump off, jump mm-hmm. up and run off on another adrenaline high. Um, but then we ran out of blood and like, there was a, there was like a big cat scratch, right. Where we ran out of blood and stuff. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe this lion helped me out. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> finished <him off. laughs> yeah. Finished him off for me. But so we just decided to split up and start gridding and like first, first little finger I walked up, he's laying there dead and coyotes had kind of eaten some of him and stuff. But like, I just started yelling and freaking out. Cause he's, I mean, like really score wise, he's not that giant of a deer, right? He, I think he was like mid one seventies, but just like a big frame, heavy deer. And just, just one that you'd always kind of hope for. Right. Just a super solid buck. Like I, right. like I was just scrolling through pictures and I see that one. I'm like, dude, that's a nice deer. I love yeah, that deer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a, uh, I think when I killed him, he was 31 inches wide at his widest and like the, a 30 inch buck, like, like in a world of scores that everybody's like, Oh, what does that deer score? Like a 30 inch buck is just as cool as any of it to me. Right. And, uh, so, and, and to do it with my bow felt super awesome. And, uh, yeah, called up Ben and, and we were both laughing and crying a little. No, I wasn't crying, but <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, well, that's, well, that's the, I love hearing all the details of stories like that because like, there's just not enough room in a caption on a picture or whatever to explain it all. And like to go through the feelings and the emotions and, and all the work leading up to it. I mean, you, people do it, but you know, they'll like do post after post after post, but like nobody ever reads that. And that's why this, the podcast format is awesome for stuff like this, because you get to hear the whole story and right. like all that leading up to it. And then you get to put your hands on the deer and, uh, right. you know, and that, like, that's why we love our YouTube so much. Cause like there's, I mean, if you go back and watch all of Ben's videos, I mean, we've spent three, three years now in this spot. And like, you can see the whole trilogy, like going up, you know, and, and Ben had some heartbreak out there. And, uh, I don't know if he, if he talked to you the story about the inline buck, but that's, uh, that's on his YouTube. So yeah, I think I've seen that on YouTube. Well, video. I'll link to it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And that was in this same spot. And, uh, even his deer this year, Peggy, or I think the video is called yeah. Pegasus. So yeah, it, like if people want to see like the whole whole story of all that none of i don't think any of my deer stuff's in there but that i mean that's the kind of time and effort we put into the spot just to kill i mean three deer out of there but i mean all good deer especially for the unit and the way things have been lately so yeah yeah 
it sounds like you guys you did the right thing you know you back out when you like you see where the arrow hit you're you know that it's not like going to be a quick kill mm-hmm. the thing is with with gut shots like like yeah did you did you look at it after like did you do kind of like a necropsy or whatever and see where you hit no like i mean i could see where i hit just because of the thing and did it was you, low did and you back. catch liver too yeah i think so okay i think that's really what got him yeah is that we uh that i did catch a little bit of liver yeah. like you can see it in some of the pictures if you really look close you can see like where i hit and it was just low and back i mean yeah probably probably like too low not too low for a heart shot but just just low and back and so yeah but like it those are usually lethal shots but they just take a really long time and right. so like yeah because they usually don't die from bleeding they die from like infection and it just right. takes really unless you catch the liver mm-hmm. so like and then and then they just bleed but just slower like the liver is huge and you can your your body i mean deer deer are tough you know like you catch a little bit of liver and it might take them you know 12 15 hours to die or sometimes depending on right. how much but that's the tough thing is like you get antsy you know you're not sleeping all night you're like oh he's like what if he's right there i can get a second arrow in him you have like all these different scenarios but it sounds like you guys played it out just right and gave him yeah. time to die. And it's it's super hard to know. Like it's super hard to know what to do in those scenarios. I think I think a lot of people do get anxious and go try and get another arrow and go try and stalk them when really like you're just gonna spike their adrenaline and they can take off again. Yeah. And so I mean, knowing how to read an arrow and read a shot, I think is is just as important as knowing where to shoot. Cause if you if you got just like if you see catch lungs like i've seen deer and elk even after catching one lung like just clipping one lung go for for miles and uh and so your arrow might read good like you've got uh like you've got bubbles on it and things like that like they're telling you you got lungs but that that doesn't mean really much so i think like lung shots like questionable shot i mean lung shots not necessarily questionable shot like if you could see your arrow was like even a little back, but you can see you got lungs. I'd say just give them as much time as like you really can. Cause I mean us in our scenario, I mean, it was hot, but night was coming. Right. So we're not like the deer isn't going to spoil. Right. And so, uh, so you have to take in so many factors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to factor in everything. Cause, um, sometimes depending on like the terrain you're in and the stocking conditions, sometimes it might be better to get a second arrow in them. Right. But right. in some areas you're like, dude, there's no way I'm going to be stocking up on a bed of deer right now. Like if you're like in thick oak brush or something, you're like, yeah, I'm going to be 10 feet away from them before I see them. They're mm-hmm. going to jump up. And yeah. So like getting a second arrow in some situations, is just like not even an option. Right. And this was like really low cedars and stuff. Like it was just, it was hard to get up in glass. Like, I don't think we could have glassed this deer. Yeah. And, uh, and so you just have to, it's such a, such a balance of like what you're going to do for each things because i mean if you dead exit deer like then you just go get them and it's so easy but like it's so rare it seems like that's so rare for me just because just because of i know i'm never going to stop getting buck fever because uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that just hasn't gone away for me yet um and uh and it's so rare like even to just get a scenario like i did i mean a 30 yard chip shot on a deer i should have i should have just lasered him right should have put it right in the pump house. But, um, that, that's a rare scenario in Western hunting, especially because yeah. it seems like a lot of times 
you're sitting at a funny angle and you can't, you don't have any cover for, and getting in tighter than 50 yards is, is going to be tough. So you end up taking longer shots from uncomfortable positions. And so I, I, I know a few guys who are absolute killers who just laser deer, but I don't think it's the norm. I think a lot of guys are really trying to have like, or have having to make marginal shots. And, yeah. uh, and, and so I think it's important to know the, the what ifs, like everybody will tell you like, Oh, just hit them right. Then you don't have to worry about all this other stuff. But yeah, you're like easier said than done. <laughs> a lot easier said than done. Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, like I've been and stuff happens like life. little twigs, like they, they turn, like there's so many things that can go wrong. And you, that's just part of the risk of bow hunting. And so mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable with that risk, you know, you need to get closer if you can and risk blowing the shot if you, right. you know. And so, yeah, there's there's just so much into it. And it's it's nice to hear like a nuanced opinion on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Pretty, I appreciate that. Cool, thanks. Uh, you also got a, a pretty nice bear last spring too. I did. So uh, you guys, uh, you were running dogs on that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, tell me, we, tell me about that. So, the, I mean, it was a different dog running experience really. Cause, uh, I mean, have you, done it, it was, have you done it before? Like, have you no, done spot I, stock or anything? Um, I, this is my first bear tag ever. And, oh, good. Uh, and I got it as an alternate. They, uh, they called me on April fool's day to tell me I got a bear tag. I'm like, Good, oh crap. Who's this? <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're like, no, we'll send it to you in the mail. I'm like, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. And, uh, but yeah, so I ended up getting that bear tag as an alternate. Normally it was like a 10 point draw. And I think I got it with, with three points. So that's awesome. I was, I was very excited and I, uh, I went up way too early my first trip. Like there was still like four feet of snow everywhere and none of the bears <laughs> were active and I was just excited to go. Um, but yeah, so I went out for a second time. I think it was uh, first week of May and, uh, and I was trying to spot and stalk them. I, I kind of wanted to do that. I thought that'd be cool. But then our buddies um, who were just down the hill from where I was trying to spot and stalk them called and they said, we we're hunting lions this morning. We crossed the bear track. Like you want to come chase it? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'd never hunted with dogs before. I, I don't even think I've, I've only been on like one or two lion hunts where they were chasing them with dogs. And then I'd never personally hunted with them. And so it was, uh, it was kind of different. Cause they, they, so they turned out on it. I mean, a couple hours late really, cause I had to get there before they turned out on it. And, uh, so we were just flying around. It was a, there was a lot of terrain, like we could get really high and there was a lot of roads on this, on this particular piece that we were on. And so we were just trying to drive around and watch the dog callers and see if we could see the bear, um, see if they, we could see where it was getting treed, but this bear just kept running and running and running. Um, and so like, we finally got one look at him, uh, running up a hill and I had like a split second shot at 450 yards and I had my safety on or else I would have sent one, but it would, it would have been a really tough shot on it. But I mean, the dogs, that first time we saw the bear running up the hill, the dogs were, I think a half a mile behind him or so. Like, I mean, not even close to touching, not even close to getting him treed. This bear just had Nike swishes on his feet and he was (laughs) running and running and running. And then, so after that, he started taking off down the Canyon, um, and, uh, kind of getting out of the country we were in. So we were having to like fly around on these roads and razors trying to keep up with the dogs. And, uh, it was, it was just funny to me because I mean, they're like, okay, we'll run down this hill. See if you can see him. Uh, If not, there's somebody at the bottom to pick you up. 
And so I'd get in a different truck with different people. And I was just meeting these people for the first time that day. Like, Hey, nice to meet you. And then they're flying down a dirt road and then all their wives are there too. And they're throwing Wendy's sandwiches at me like, hurry, eat. And like, <laughs> this is, this is over the span of a few hours. Right. And, uh, and it was, it was just a riot. So finally we catch up to it and get in front of this bear. And, uh, and so I start, he finally walks out on this side hill. I mean, the dogs are half a mile behind. And I think they looked at their collars and this, the dogs had ran like 21 miles trying oh to gosh. catch this bear. I mean, just, Dang. he just ran and ran and ran. So finally we get him out on the side hill and he looked like a good bear. And, uh, and so I, I shot him and, uh, I, I think again, it was like a 440 yard shot and finally piled him up and got up to him. And he turned out, he's just kind of a younger bear, like maybe four years old and uh, big enough that you could like hold him. Like you, if somebody handed him to you, you could stand up and hold him. But, Oh, it was so much fun. Those, those guys are all like, Oh, your, your hunt's over. Don't you feel a little bad that it's over? I'm like, I don't care. That was a riot. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a bear connoisseur. Like a lot of guys wait a lot of years to get that tag. So they want to kill a really giant bear, but I was just happy to have one. And now I'm hooked yeah. on it. I'm looking for more tags this spring to go do it. I want to go to Idaho or wherever else I can to go kill bears. Yeah. Dude, I a bear is on my bucket list. I've got to make it happen one of these years because yeah. I and I'm the same way. I like if I see a bear, I'm like, it's going down. <laughs> right, right. You know, like as long as you can tell if it's a boar or whatever the rules are in your unit or whatever. As long as and, it's a legal bear, like heck yeah, yeah. As long as it's a legal bear, you know, I mm-hmm. I'd be happy with it because honestly, like unless like you said, like unless you're a bear connoisseur, like I don't like most people can't tell the difference between a small right. bear and, a, and like you know, a really nice bear. And mm-hmm. honestly, the difference isn't that big. No. It's kind of like with mountain goats. You're like, oh, an eight inch or a nine inch goat. You're like. Uh, it's a difference of one inch and one is like right. world-class and one is like, Oh, just like average, average go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the exact way. Cause I think my bear skull at measured, I think he's 18 inches. And I think Boone and Crockett is like 19. I can't remember the exact numbers, but like, so basically they measure the heads lengthwise and then width and add those together. And that's your, your bears score. Yeah. Right. And so you're telling me the difference between my bear and like, a book bear is an inch and a half in each direction. Exactly. I'm like, "Eh, I'm not not too worried about that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, dude, that that sounds like so much fun. And like, I, I, I like hearing the stories of, of like different ways to do it because I know there's a lot of different aspects of hunting that are kind of under fire. Running bears with dogs is one of Mm -hmm. them. Baiting bears, even just bear hunting at all. is kind of coming under fire. Um, and you know, for me anyway, I don't know about you, but for me, no matter how people choose to do it, I feel like we shouldn't bag on anyone. And I, I know that some people are like anti dogs, but like sometimes dude, there's like, there's no other way to get them. And like, they're, there's such an effective tool. It's been used for centuries to, to for hunting purposes and and it's a lot more ethical in a lot of ways because you get to get a good look at them usually mm-hmm. because, you know, they're treed up. You get to properly identify them. You're not accidentally shooting, you know, a sow with cubs if it's up in a tree or something. Exactly. So. Uh, and I think you hit it right on the head. It's a lot of people think it's bad because that lion's up there scared. That lion's had his life threatened a hundred times already before. 
he's just up there trying to figure things out. Like you look at a lion in a tree and rarely do they look scared to me. They just look like, all right. Like, like I'll wait these guys out. They'll get, they'll get tired of barking eventually. How do I get out of this situation is all they're thinking. It's, yeah. it's not like they don't think like us. It's, it's just another day of survival to them. And, uh, you're, you're right with right on the money with talking about how, so I have a few really good friends who, who run cats with dogs and, uh, you get a good look at them. They're killing mature toms only. They're, uh, they're not, they're able to get exact, know exactly what it is and get a good look at every cat. And then anybody who thinks that we should just hunt lions without dogs has never tried hunting lions without dogs. It like, we've already intervened too much in wildlife to now say like, Oh, leave it to nature. Right. Like we've been hunting deer too long. We've been hunting lions too long. Like we can't, leave it up to nature now because right now we have i i think in my personal opinion we have a big problem with lions utah just introduced a spawn stock lion hunt because our lion numbers are too high and they're killing our deer like mad um and so in order to control that population of lions you gotta hunt with dogs anybody who's ever tried to spawn stock hunt lions knows it's next to impossible it's so hard like it's basically luck I know a lot of people right. that just carry the tag in their pocket and they carry a pistol with them on every hike just right. in case they come across one. Exactly. And- <laughs> exactly. I, I'd recommend that to almost anybody, like just carry a tag through the hunts. Like we, we have a problem with them right now. And, and a lot of people don't think lines do that much damage, but I think, Oh, I can't remember who released it. Some, some wildlife uh, organization kept track of what a lion was eating every for for 15 months like they would just track it and keep track of everything it was eating and it killed like 30 something badgers 17 elk like 12 coyotes bunch of deer like and and this is in one year like it killed way more than i ever would like even in a lifetime 17 elk in one year (laughs) and and so like we have to manage those numbers if we want to be able to hunt deer and elk in the future and and by far the most effective way to do that is with dogs and and i think and and whether you're for it or against it we just need to stand together as hunters because one day they're coming for the dogs and maybe you don't hunt with dogs don't think it's good so you're fine with them to getting rid of dogs then the next week they're coming and saying okay you can't hunt birds with dogs anymore because i mean what's the difference between hunting lions with dogs and hunting pheasants with dogs and then they're coming for okay now you can't use a rifle, everything's got to be a primitive weapon. And it's just, it's, uh, we're even chipping that away right now. Just they're just chip chipping away, away yeah. at, at what they're going to allow us to do. And so we need to make sure and, and stand together on those types of things. And, and as long as it's done responsibly, cause like, there's a lot of guys who will just go kill every cat they can. And, and, and that's also not sustainable, right? Like, yeah, like, they just need to be managed like any other, any other species. You know? Exactly. They just like, we're like you said, we're here as humans and you can't take up an entire valley full of houses and subdivisions, take away all the winter range from deer and elk and, and, and other critters mm-hmm. and, and then just say, Oh, now we're going to leave it to nature. Right. Like you can't, you can't have both. Like you, either we're here with them and we manage their population so that they can be sustainable or you wipe out all the humans and let everything turn back to nature. You can't just have some things in nature right. and some things not because building a freeway 
and cutting down the entire country with an interstate is not right. leaving it to nature. Right. And, so. and a lot of times we end up putting those freeways and highways along migration routes because it, it's the easiest route of travel for us. It's also the easiest route of travel for them. And so you look at, especially in Northern Utah, like Parley's Canyon and all that kind of stuff. I mean, those are the routes that those deer are taking. And so that's why you see them so often on those road on those roads. Yeah. And, and I mean, like you said, we're here, like they're, they're there. And so we've got to figure out how to manage it and make it work like with human intervention. Cause we're already here. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So that kind of takes us over to some other things that are kind of under fire right now. Like, like trail cameras. I know you run quite a few cameras. Are you still with like associated with scout to hunt? No. Or... So they, when they first launched, they were doing a lot with trail cameras um, and then they've kind of moved away from those. Okay. So my only associations through Ben, um, they're, okay. they're a mapping system now. And, and so a, a really good free mapping system, honestly, and a little bit of a plug for them. They're doing a $50,000 giveaway right now. Yeah. I saw right. that. They're like, if you find the shed, you get a Bitcoin, you, you get right? $50,000 worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, that I think that's right. a pretty cool giveaway. So yeah, that's pretty. And there's there's clues in the app, so you can go go find that Bitcoin, uh, or go find that that horn, and win the, the Bitcoin, right? Yeah. And uh, so that's pretty cool. So, but I'm I don't do anything for them really anymore. Ben okay. just works with them on that, helping promote their app and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you do run trail cameras. I do. Um, what's your take? So I think I've got like 18 out currently. Okay. Yeah. So that's probably more than average. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It is a lot. It's hard to keep yeah. up with. Right. But okay. So just for, for those of you who don't know, like they, they, if they completely ban trail cameras in Arizona or yeah. there's like, it's like completely banned in Arizona. And now, um, I know there was like a comment period in Utah, but I'm pretty sure that the law passed that you can't run them during season or like you have to pull your cameras two weeks before season. Correct. Did I get that right? Yeah. So they're they're completely banned in Arizona right now. Um, you can't use trail cameras on, and I'm not exactly positive on if it if you can use them on private land or not. But I know on public land, like on public land for hunting, you can't use them. Correct. Is, yeah. Correct. Which, how, I mean, how do you legislate that? Really, like, how do you? I, I mean, for hunting. Well, I'm bird watching, but I happen to see a big deer. Like, yeah. is, is, are you now like you can't hunt it or like what? Like, like what? Like I will just that line? compartmentalize that piece of data in my brain and not use it while I'm hunting. Right. Like, it's like know. how do you how it's do you legislate weird. intent? Right. Like, well, you yeah. intended to do this. Well, anybody could say no, that wasn't my intent. I was just checking the water levels for my cows. Um, like, which is like a totally legitimate purpose, you know? Would it? No. It is it, absolutely. <laughs> I like my father-in-law used the cellular cameras to to watch his water. Um, but so if he has a big buck show up on that and he shows me a picture of it, now is that illegal? Like, cause my I never had the camera there. Like he, it's, um, and I granted like that's looking for like excuses for people preemptively, but I just don't know how you how you prosecute that. Like how right. how would you how would you handle that? So my opinion on the whole trail camera thing. So Utah just kind of tends, it seems like to me just tends to follow suit behind Arizona. Anything Arizona is doing Utah's like considering doing just, I don't know why that is. That's just kind of what they do. Like Arizona allowed rifle scopes on like 
full power scopes on muzzle loaders, Utah does the same thing. Uh, Arizona bans trail cameras. You start Utah starts heading the same way, which I don't know if they're just unoriginal or or what, but that that yeah, seems they're like all the buddies in you know Congress or whatever these decisions. I guess happen. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't I guess know. I need to study up on it and do a little more research about how all that works because they're having a, a rack meeting on March 10th about trail cameras again. So what, what happened and what the way it kind of bothered me is, so they suggested this last year and for whatever reason, it didn't pass, didn't happen. Um, so then they put out a notice for a rack meeting this year where they said they're going to talk about cellular cameras. And again, like I was saying before, it's a trickle down thing. Like they just keep taking more and more and more with um, like dogs, like we're, how we were talking about with dogs. Um, so it was cellular cameras and I don't really have a dog in that fight just cause I don't, I don't run cellular cameras. I, I could see how they could be misused where people get a picture on their phone and then they're running to go try and kill a deer. Right. And I, I guess I could kind of see that. So I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't really have a dog in that fight. I'm just going to let that slide, not go to that meeting. So then in that meeting where they, didn't even mention regular cameras on like their docket. Like this is what we're going to talk about. They only mentioned cell cameras. Then they banned trail cameras from, and maybe a ban isn't the right word, but limited trail camera use from August 1st to I think January 1st is when you're not allowed to, to use them for the, again, the intent of harvesting big game, um, which I thought was shady that they said we're going to be talking about cellular cameras and then they ban yeah, all trail cameras. Yeah, kind of just slipped it in. Right, right. It just seemed it seemed shady to me. And so I didn't like that. Um, and my other problem with it is they don't have any evidence. And I really don't know what the ban is for. Is the ban to try and increase herd populations? Is it to try and limit success rates with hunting so we increase herd mm -hmm. populations? Is it just because they think that's not real hunting? Like, I don't, I don't get the purpose of banning the trail cameras. I don't get their intent behind yeah. banning them. And I feel like they never talk about it either. Like they're just talking about like the, and w whenever the decisions come down, they never talk about for, for the purpose of, or by this metric, you know, we need this metric to be here. And this is one way that we're going to try. We're going to decrease the tag numbers by this amount we're going to limit trail camera use during these time frames to bring down the success rate or never they just never they never talk about that and right. so whenever the decision comes down you're like well why and nobody has an answer right. that's really frustrating <laughs> it, well exactly and it's it's like if you could cite a study like okay so we didn't use trail cameras on this unit um mm -hmm. maybe you take a limited entry entry unit in utah and say okay we can't use trail cameras on this one for, and we're going to do this for the next three years and see if that, if their deer herd increases at a higher rate than like the rest of the state. Okay. Like if you've got a study with like conclusive evidence that it's actually going to help the deer population, great. Get rid of them. Like, mm -hmm. in my opinion, just go ahead, get rid of them. If, if there's a legitimate reason and you have facts to back it up, but they just haven't, they haven't given us anything like that. They just, what they talked about in that meeting, I watched some of the videos and they're just like, well, it's just, we want to put the hunt back in hunting. That was their only line that they kept using. Then they talked about, oh, just like a bunch of other stuff, like turrets on rifles, like they talked about it and, and things like that. I'm like, well, it, it just, 
it felt I, I just didn't like how yeah. it looked, how it was perceived. Just no, no evidence, nothing. Just we're banning them to put the hunt back in hunting. But me, that's that's every bit as much a part of hunting as as anything else. Like I put a lot of time and effort and money into those trail cameras, and uh, and and I've only killed. Let me see. I think I know of. I've only killed two, one deer, one deer that I've had on trail camera, and Ben has killed two two deer that's it that we had on trail camera after the thousands of deer we've had on trail camera and dozens we've tried to hunt off of our trail cameras like it doesn't i mean it gives you a little bit of a leg up just to know that that caliber of deer is there but that's really it and and if anything i'm passing on younger deer so they can go grow up because i know there's a mature deer there yeah there should be a study on that it's like how many people don't feel their tag because they have trail cameras of a big buck exactly you know like whereas if you didn't have the picture of that big buck then like you would probably just chase a smaller deer or you know right see the first end up end up tagging a smaller deer because you don't know what's there but without data we don't know you know like without a study then we don't know like what the real effect of trail cameras is on harvest statistics or anything that's exactly it and they just haven't they haven't done any sort of study have don't have any sort of data on that um and then the other thing i was going to say about them is Oh, what was I, what was I going to say? Well, it, it really, it, I think it hoses the the average Joe, right? Like me, I can hunt as much as I want. Like I can go out and glass as much as I want, but that's not the norm, right? Like if anything, really a trail camera ban would probably benefit me like more than, and me and outfitters and guides, the guys who can go out and glass more than anybody else really. But I'm still like, against it because I, I mean, I've been that guy with the nine to five who only has a limited amount of time to go glass. You got to spend time with family and do all that stuff. And so like a trail camera just levels the playing field so much so you can go out there and know about the same deer that an outfitter knows about. You can know about the same deer that I know about without having to take oodles of time to go glass and things like that and and there's some argument there that like oh well really you can effectively glass like in a couple of weekends but still i mean that's a couple of weekends some guys might not have you can't cover that much Mm -hmm. area in in two days yeah so that's just during the day too Mm -hmm. like if you yeah so i like i can definitely i can see the arguments on both sides but without a reason like why we landed on one side versus the other like it's just really frustrating for me because like I personally I don't run trail cameras I my hunting buddy he runs a few of them but honestly the deer that we were chasing this year never showed up on the trail cam like we saw him when we were out scouting and we're like oh we're going after this deer we didn't even end up getting it so it was like like I I get the argument that you know how much does it really help hunters but then I also see the argument on the other side too is like well if they weren't helpful or or at least have some benefit people wouldn't really use them and so that's like like outfitters and stuff like they can make a living you know like they have this portfolio of of animals and they can sell clients on it and so Mm -hmm. that might be affecting their business and even though they're going to kill the same number of deer like i don't know yeah like we're kind of going in circles now but but i feel like yeah wait you're right no you're you're absolutely you're right like and and that's you're exactly right. I've talked myself in circles on this a hundred times, but basically like, like we were saying, what it boils down to is they just, they got to have a good reason. 
it, yeah, like I just want to ask the person who like signed it. We're like, so why did we pass this law? Right. Why? Well, and like, give me a reason. <laughs> right. That's the rack meeting on. I think it's March 10th. I should I should probably look that up so I can tell everybody the right dates. But it's I think it's in Farmington. I think um, that's right. Um, I think this episode is going to go live on March 1st. So okay, it'll so be before. Give everybody that time to go do it. Yeah, and um, uh, I'll yeah we can double check and then. Yeah, March 10th, March okay. 10th. And so you guys can go to the division, like either their Instagram or their website. I'm sure it's on all those. Yeah, so like go to the, the Utah w, DWR and uh, they'll have information on there. Correct, correct. Okay. And uh, the reason they're even re- looking at it again is because people got involved, right? A lot of people were a little upset about the way it happened. So they sent, oh, I, I think it's over 5,000 emails to the division. I can't remember who it was in the division, but that's, that's why they're taking another look at it is because hunters got involved and, and no matter what side of the issue you're on, I think people should show up and uh, I agree and, and voice that voice that so we can come to a good conclusion and, and also remember to keep, I mean, without a better way of saying it, keep emotion out of it. Like let's, let's look at this factually and let's be like, I've seen a lot of people get really heated over it, but let's, let's do what's right for everybody. And I mean, we're not going to make everybody happy, but let's do what's right for the deer herd and what's going to be best for the majority of people. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. Cause like, honestly, this is one of those examples that I don't really have a dog in the fight. Like I don't really run trail cameras, um, but I don't necessarily want them to be banned for no reason. Right. If there is a legitimate reason, I just want to know like what it is and then I can choose a side. But right now I'm just like, it kind of seems like this is just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So feels yeah. a lot like government overreach like without yeah. without being a super far right dude but like it's, yeah. <laughs> it's that's what it felt like like yeah. it was just, just kind of sprung on us out of the blue and uh and the other thing is they have these meetings on like tuesdays and thursdays yeah and like in the end. middle of the day yeah like nobody nobody can make that like it, yeah. at least in the evening people can get off work and be there but like yeah. 10 a.m that's such a bad time but luckily like i said i i'm not tied to any any particular schedule so i can go be there and hopefully be and get i think they're giving everybody two minutes is what it is so yeah i can go go there and be heard and i'll probably stumble over my words a bunch because i'll be nervous but (laughs) try and try and iterate what i've what i've been thinking about it yeah i I think that'll be good yeah um let's change the subject a little bit we'll uh, just as we kind of wrap up here Mm -hmm. um What's uh what's a piece of gear that you're excited to try this year or something that you've had your eye on or something that you're like you're excited about? New or something that you've recently added to your arsenal that you're like, this is a game changer or something cool. Game changer. Um I don't know about anything super recently. Like I uh I'm I'm I wouldn't say I'm a gear nut because there's a lot of guys who who spend a lot more time with it, but I do love like researching new stuff. And I, I felt like I had a really good system this year, uh, with just, I mean, as much as we went, I had a good system figured out. So I think my favorite thing I brought with me all year was honestly a little tarp. So climate makes this little tarp called a climate roamer. I think is what it is. It's like a five by eight, super light tarp that I left in my bag. And I use that thing constantly, um, whether it's putting quarters on it, like it's, when you're quartering out game and setting them on there, um, it's super useful for that. Use it as a, as like a cover, as a shade. 
uh, glassing use it a shade a couple of times, glassing shade, right? Like if you're in the snow, you can kneel on it rather than, rather than soaking through your pants and stuff like that. It, uh, that, uh, that honestly was probably my most used piece of gear this year. It's just that little tarp and it, and it Dude, stays in my pack. Like 26 I might, I might, I might go pick that. What's it called again? The climate roamer. It's made by climate like the they make K-L-Y-M-I-T. Yeah, they yeah. make the insulated sleeping pads and stuff like that yeah. too. But Dude, honestly, I, like, saved my butt so many times. Loved it. I've been like, I've been like looking for a little tarp like that. I'm like, I, it would be nice sometimes, like, because even for like sleeping, you could you know throw out a little bivy and like just throw a little tarp up, like a little lean-to shelter, mm-hmm. keep the frost off. Or even just use it as a ground cloth. Yeah, or like ground if, cloth. If you don't so have like a, a tent or something like that. You can put your sleeping pad right on it, and then yeah. And then your sleeping bag on top of your sleeping pad. It was, it was really useful. Um, so I'd say that was like my number one piece of gear that I told everybody, like, keep, keep one of these with you. Dude, that's a great tip. Yeah. I'm glad I asked that because, <laughs> you know, everybody talks about, you know, it's like something that nobody can afford. You're like, oh yeah. Like I got this new Leopold scope with turrets. It was like, it was like only $1,500 dude. It was such a good right. deal. And I'm like, okay, like thanks but oh I, i'm the i'm the king of like finding the cheaper alternative right like like uh i have a buddy who's like this too troy he, he's mine and ben's friend um but like if i can find a flashlight like i run the cheap energizer headlights from walmart <laughs> like they're bright and they cost 20 yeah. bucks and like i seriously yeah. end up buying three or four every year but like i see guys go spend 120 bucks on some black diamond ultra high-end flash their headlight and it's not really that much brighter than than those energizer ones it may be a little tougher but like i go through three of them a year anyway so it's like yeah it's whatever i but i love finding a cheaper alternative to uh to like super high-end gear that's that's i love doing that like i'm always bragging about how cheap i got stuff yeah that's awesome yeah dude i i did a whole episode on um, using fa- Facebook Marketplace to get like good deals on. Oh, that's on, sweet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, like, like found I have... trekking poles for like fifteen bucks on there. Oh, that's awesome. The, yeah, like stuff like that. Facebook Marketplace is like a gold mine. Yeah, for outdoor gear. Well, yeah, it's especially like if you go to the backpacking side of things. Like backpackers yeah. have got it figured out. Like I, I watch a lot of ultralight, like uh through hikers is what they call them. Uh-huh. So they'll go yeah. whole, hike like the whole West coast. I love seeing what they're doing. Um, just because, I mean, they, they have being as light as possible down to a science, right? Yeah. And granted, some of it doesn't work for us. Like, like I watched this one guy and his, he runs a straight Dyneema pack, no frame, but like his whole yeah. pack for like 10 days is 30 something pounds. Yeah. And that, and I mean, granted he's sleeping on a, a pad this thick, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, half an inch thick yeah. and going ultralight, but like they're doing stuff like rather than using an algae, they use a smart water bottle just because mm-hmm. like they're big and they're tough, but just super light. And so I started doing that. I go buy like those big smart waters and use yeah. those if I'm backpacking. Um, and those, uh, the caps screw right onto like a Sawyer water filter too. Right. Right. Which is, yeah, they fit really I've used those before way. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's like, I, I like watching those videos too. Yeah. There's a there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't really work for hunting. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I use this and it's like a really bright color, like jacket right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, but I don't want to be a fluorescent blob 
in the <laughs> right well they, they, almost, archery season. <laughs> they almost kind of frustrate me because uh like i mean like i was saying that guy can have his pack down to like 30 pounds for everything he needs for 10 days like i i can't leave the truck without having 30 pounds on my pack yeah. between <laughs> a rifle yeah. or a bow bullets yeah. arrows like yeah like, and and then game pack, bags game yeah. bags and our pack has to be able to haul meat so like my pack you have to like, have those a guys packs yeah. weigh ounces and ours weigh like if i think I, like I a five pound pack is awesome yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, that's super light. Like if yeah. you can get a five pound pack, but like those guys look down their nose at it. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, here's the straps on my on my backpack, and they're like oh, they're bungee uh, quarter cord. inch. Right. <laughs> right. And like I'm like, I gotta be able to throw 80 pounds on there and walk out. Like I yeah. like, and, like, like and I need a to it to them. carry a spotting scope. So oh tripods <laughs> yeah. too. Shit. Like yeah. And then and then you throw all my camera gear on top of it and and I'm I'm a before I even put food and water in, I'm like 30, 40 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, it's a little frustrating to watch those guys sometimes, but super yeah. awesome to get like their little tips and tricks on how yeah. to lighten up their packs. I use that. Yeah. We're just a lot buffer than they are. They don't have the muscle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's the muscle. I'm just fat. I'm no, I don't know about muscle, but mass moves mass. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right sweet man well if guys have questions where can they contact you where uh where should they go follow you on um, instagram i'm on instagram redbeard underscore rocky um i know it's kind of a lame instagram name i'll have to come up with a new one at some point we can't change it now <laughs> i know well i've already <laughs> changed it once so <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so redbeard underscore rocky on instagram um and then our youtube is i'm just on shed crazy that's where my videos wind up at this point. I got an elk hunt and a deer hunt from this year on there. So if anybody wants to kill a couple minutes, they can go watch those. Okay. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes. Where else? Is there anywhere else people can contact you or anything well, else if you, you want people to check if, out? If you've got work for me, I, uh, I do hire out and do some videoing and things like that. Uh, just Instagram's probably the best place to, to get a hold of me. And then, and then we can go from there and figure out whatever it is you want to do. Sweet. All right. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate hey, it. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Rocky Dedamonte. As you can hear from that conversation, he is just a super experienced hunter, really level-headed, down-to-earth guy. And I love hearing his opinions on all these subjects, especially the trail camera stuff, which is kind of the hot topic right now. I did look up the official times and everything for that meeting that will be held on March 10th at 9 a.m. in Farmington, Utah. That is at the Eccles Wildlife Education Center in Farmington. And it said on there that you have to attend in person in order to comment. So there's not going to be a virtual option for that. So if you can make it, if you are nearby, then make sure you go to that if you can. Um, I'll have all that information in the description of this podcast episode. So you can scroll down there. I'll have the the date and the the building and everything. And you can just use the Google machine and find the address. It's at the Eccles Wildlife Education Center in Farmington. As always, I have all the links and stuff at in the show notes. This is episode 69. So go to huntthewest.us slash 69. That'll take you to the show notes. And I really appreciate you guys listening. I mean, there's, there's a lot to, to absorb in this episode. I think it was a really good episode. Um, so I'm definitely going to be looking at that tarp that Rocky mentioned because that is a pretty sweet tool and it's really lightweight. So 
I think I might be adding something similar to that to my getup this year. Um, just one favor for you before we go, if you're still listening, I really appreciate it. You know, you're the, the ones that keep this podcast going. Those who listen all the way to the end, um, Spotify just added the ability to leave ratings. So I haven't even looked, I don't even know if we have any on there. So if you're listening on Spotify, please just go to the podcast, go to the hunt the West podcast on Spotify, click on the three little dots in the top right hand corner and leave us a rating. It'll really help other people find the show and it helps me out. So if you could take some time, leave a rating on Spotify, that would be awesome. Thanks for listening. As always, you can contact me anytime via email or on direct message on Instagram. The fastest responses are going to be on email. So that is skylar at huntthewest.us. I answer every email. I answer every DM. So hit me up on one of those two locations. I've got links to that in the podcast show notes as well. And until next time, get out there and hunt the West. 